So next week we will be uh, having, on Sunday night, we'll have a lot of teens from all different parts of the region, from Texarkana as far as Idabel. Uh, they'll be here Sunday night. Um, it'll start at 5.30. Um, and it, it'll be good. It's good to hear, see them come in. Uh, what I do need is help from you guys. Uh, we, will, we will feed them afterward. Um, but anybody who's willing to help with that, um, it should be pretty simple. It's just we're pre- preparing and serving and asking who wants drinks and uh, stuff like that. But it'll be, I just need some help. So if, if you'd like to help with that, uh, come down front um, and repent at, after the sermon. Now come down um, after services and uh, we'll have a quick, really, I mean really quick, a two or three minute thing just so I can kind of grab and see who's all helping and we can talk through what we're going to be doing. Uh, so please do that. Don't forget. I know, I know you forget. I know you think, uh, you get excited that the sermon's over and, that the, and you're ready to go and you forget. Don't forget, come down here. We'll just meet right here after services. Um, so I, I missed you guys last week. Y'all put out more chairs since the last time I was here. There's, I think, 12 more chairs than normal. Um, but you all look great, and you, you don't know this. Um, those of you who've been coming here for a good time know this, but some of you don't. Today, you get bonus points for being here because of daylight savings time. You lost an hour of sleep, and you still showed up. And that's a big deal. Hooray for you. You've earned it. Um, don't clap for yourself. That's too much. No, don't do that. Uh, all right. So but we're, I'm really glad to be back. Missed y'all last week. I'm so thankful for um, elders and um, men in this congregation like Johnny who can uh, fill in and do well. And I'm, I'm super thankful for you guys for um, showing up. We had a lot um, gone last week. We had 21 at Christ Teens in Russellville. Um, and so it... It wasn't you, Johnny. It was Christ teens. There was 20. I mean, we, we had, would have had over 200 here last week if all those people weren't out gallivanting in Russellville together. Um, but we are uh, just really good to be back. The church in Dirks, 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 Dirks is doing really well. Uh, they, they are, um, they're, they're of kindred spirit, and that's always helpful to have a church like that around. Uh, we're going to be in an interesting passage today in which Jesus goes into a, uh, a somewhat of a church service on a Sabbath. He goes into a synagogue and starts teaching, and something crazy happens, uh, and we'll, we'll find out what that is. All right, go to Mark chapter 1. Well, this, this is working, but this isn't working. Again. Anyway, if you would just go to the next slide for me. Thank you. Uh, Mark chapter 1. They went to Capernaum. That They being Jesus and then four of his disciples who were with him at this point in Mark. And when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. So um, th- th- there's a big difference between those two people. One having authority and uh, not as the scribes. The scribes were... Um, Basically, human copy machines. They, they took the old texts of the ancient texts and they would write out the texts over and over again. In their lifetime, they would copy this um, several times. They would copy different sections of the text. And they would come in and they would say, this is what the text says. 
And they would say, this is what this famous rabbi says about the text. And then they would just stop there. So they were just repeating or regurgitating what someone else had told them. And they, they were just reminding the people over and over again, this is what was said, this is what was said. That would be like me coming in and constantly quoting C.S. Lewis or something. Um, maybe I don't do that as much as I thought. But the, like they're just saying, this is what this guy said, and you need to listen to it. Now, Jesus comes in and speaks with authority. And what that means is something you see in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 when he teaches what is commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard it said this, but I tell you, and that is quite bold of Jesus, to say, I'm not only am I going to talk about what someone else talked about, but I have my own words for you. And as a rabbi or a teacher, to have your own words meant you had authority. And they said he spoke as if he were one who had authority. So he's standing up in front of them and saying, listen, they said this, but I tell you this. And now in the Sermon on the Mount, that's quite, that's hard stuff. You've heard it said, do not murder, but I tell you, do not be angry with your brother. You've heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you, do not lust. You've heard it said, keep your oaths, but I tell you, don't swear at all. Just say yes and mean yes and say no and mean no. You've heard it said this and I tell you this. You've heard it said this and I tell you this. And they're much harder teachings. But then something crazy happens. Have you ever been yelled at while you were preaching? It's uncomfortable. It's not pleasant. Um, And you can't yell back because that just escalates the thing. I was once, I was actually teaching a class. And a guy stood up and said, that's not right. And started like hammering in on me. So I listened. And he got done. You know, it's funny. Like people, people come into a conference conflict, the confrontation, and they want to yell, and they're, they're, they're ready for it. But if you just let them yell themselves out, ugh, they'll get like, okay, I'm, now I'm standing here awkwardly, and I've been yelling. And I said, well, do you mind, you've had some things to say, do you mind if, if I say some things? He said, go ahead. I said, I think you came in, and you misheard me, and let me clarify. And he said, no, I didn't miss. I was like, well, I didn't say it. And so, and at that point, a good elder went and grabbed him and walked him out of, out of class. That's right. Bouncers. I have bouncers. <laughs> Just escorted him out. He said, come on, we need to go. So that... He just throws you off, even if it's something positive. Even if it's something... Like in Churches of Christ, you say amen. The Church of Christ guy's like, well, who... Who's yelling at me? We're not used to that around here. So, but something strange happens. It's, it's kind of, it throws, probably throws everybody off a little bit. Next slide. Verse 23 says, just then there was, just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth. Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. 
you holy one of God. Now, not only are we against anyone yelling out in services, we're really against demons doing it. That. Now, what's interesting here is he doesn't explain this at all. Mark doesn't. This is something they just sort of understood. Here we got a demon. A man with an unclean spirit. This word is translated demon in other places, but it's meant as something, as we'll find out later, something that needs to leave the body of the person. So it's, creepily enough, something that went into the body. Now, this is what I call a shiny thing. This is a shiny thing, and us Christians sometimes get real distracted by shiny things in the Scripture. So all of a sudden, someone will have a demon, and we're like, oh, let's study about demons. No, that's a shiny thing. <laughs> that wasn't what we were supposed to be reading this text for. That's, the demon was not the reason this text was written. And there's all sorts of beliefs about demons. There's um, some people who, any time there's something that they can't explain, they put science on it. And anytime there's something that, on the other side, anytime there's something they can't explain, they put demon on it. And it's probably somewhere in between. I mean, the, the, the people who have done work, uh, missionary work in Africa will tell you some crazy stories. Some real serious stuff. And they'll say, I'll never say anything. That, what, I know that's, that sort of stuff's real. I don't watch movies about that sort of stuff. It scares me to death. It's not a moral thing. I'm just a scaredy cat and I stay away from them. I don't like that. And, but but there is, here we have a man with an unclean spirit. That's it. Now, if you want to run off in your own direction at this point and say, all oh, right, well, goody, we have something interesting finally. Let's figure out what demons are and where they are and what they do. Um, I would argue that at that point you would really miss the point of this story. So everyone, a lot of people have a lot of different beliefs about demons text believes they exist. And so we're just going to roll with that and move forward. Um, I would add, if you go to life group tonight, don't get in an argument about demons. Um, it's not, it's not, there's other things worth more of your time, and we'll find out what those are in just a second. So this, but anyway, so this demon, that was, a, that was an, a bit of an appendix, an aside, I digress. This demon has uh, stood up and he says, I, what do you want to do? What do you want with us? Have you come to destroy us? Even creepier is when someone yells at you during church and refers to themselves in the third person. We disagree with thee, Benjamin. Oh, goodness. What do you want with us? And then he says something that, if you haven't been around demons a lot, this is something they do. Uh, he says, I know who you are, O Holy One of God. Okay, so, in the ancient times, there was a belief that if you could name a thing, you took its power. Um, that's why uh, a lot of um, exor- in that day, a lot of exorcists would come up to the uh, come up to demons, and they would say they would name the demon. They would, and then they would name whose authority they come 
under. And so that's, that's usually the process. We need, so this demon would speak up and he would say, I, I, I am a demon, is usually what they said. And, and the, an exorcist would come in and say, I know who you are. To the demon, I know who you are. You are, this is your name. You are Beelzebub. You are, uh, you, they would give you the list. And I cast you out in the name of this teacher or the name of this prophet or the name of this God. That's how it worked. There was a, there was a song and dance to casting out demons. You can quote me on that and put it on the bulletin. There was a song and dance to casting out demons. Back and forth. And if you named the demon, you took its power away. And sometimes the demons would say, I know who you are. And then you were in trouble. Because you didn't know the demon and the demon knew you. Alright. Now a lot of you are old school church of Christ and you're like, oh wait a second, this is weird talk. We're doing weird talk. It's just the facts of how it worked back then. So, he, he would... So that's how it worked. There was this back and forth and the, 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 the goal to win the battle between exorcist and demon was to who could name the other first. Because as soon as you knew the name, you kind of could get a grip on who this is. That was their belief. So he comes up and he says, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And if you actually look at every single one of the interactions Jesus has with demons, every single one of them does this. They run up, they say something, they say, get away from me, and then they start saying, I know who you are. They name him the Holy One of God, the Holy One of Israel, they name, they name Jesus. And Jesus messes up the whole song and dance by doing something even crazier. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent, come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him, crying with a loud voice, came out of him. Next slide. Verse 27 says, They were all amazed and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching with authority. What's crazy to me is that's the first thing they, they were astonished at. Like if, they, if I would have seen a, man, a demon get cast out of a man and he had to convulse, it convulsed its way out of him, I would have been like, This is crazy. First, a new teaching. Like, that's a normal thing to me. And they said, a, a new teaching. And he casts, he commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. Okay, what's crazy is this demon comes up and says, I know who you are. And instead of Jesus saying, well, I know you, who you are in the name of this person. Be God, he said, be quiet and go out of him. And boom, it happened. And see, what Mark's doing, and he ties it there at the end together, is that Jesus overcomes evil. He overcomes uncleanness. He overcomes your, your brokenness. He overcomes the, the chaos and brokenness of the world. And it happens when he teaches something new. Mark has tied these together so closely that we, we should not dissect them. We should not break them apart. We have an unclean spirit. And Jesus here teaches with a new authority. 
and drives out the unclean spirit from a man. And the people say, wow, that's crazy. He taught with authority. And he cast out a demon. It was really weird to them, not that this man had a demon, not that someone cast him out, but the, the, what's odd, because that's happened before with other people, what was really weird is Jesus didn't go through this weird, this long incantation of, I know you, it just said, go. And he went. That was crazy. That's what blew everybody's mind, that Jesus just, Jesus has this authority in his teaching and this authority over evil. That Jesus conquers it. That Jesus wins out. And it's, I believe, the teachings of God will win out in you too. I believe that the authority of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, will win out in you too. Your life may be a mess. It's hard to tell at church, right? It's hard to look around and say their marriage is struggling or they're having trouble with their kid or their, um, their, that, their job seems uncertain or they're addicted. or they're, It's hard to look around and say that. So I'm just going to assume that we're not the perfect people in most churches. We're normal people. And that all of us have some suffering, some struggles that we're going through. Some temptations that are just making us sweat and, they are, and we're fighting them, but it, we're running out of energy. You are probably going through that. And if you are, I believe, the base teachings of Jesus overcome the brokenness and uncleanness in us. That Jesus has authority, real authority over us. And a lot of our struggles come from the types of things Jesus talked about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where he says, Don't, listen, it's your anger that's getting you in trouble. It's your lust that's getting you in trouble. It's your greed that's getting you in trouble. It's. It's your, you've, you are failing to, to work on this spirit, this life, this breath you have. I believe the, the, the most trouble we get ourselves into is when we fail to look at ourselves and let Jesus affect us. Let the authority of Jesus clean out our spirit. And transform us into something that is holy and healthy and beautiful. That's where, that's where we mess up. And we, we can point to symptoms, right? We can say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with that. And in the end, it's something, like, it's something you're messing up inside. It's something, it's something Jesus needs to work on in you. And if you let God work on you, you will get worked on. It may be long, the process may be hard, there may be tears, there may be suffering, 
but you will get worked on. It will take time. But in the end of your life, you will realize Jesus worked me into something that I wasn't before. Your spouse may be able to tell you in six years, you're different than you were when we first started. Jesus is working on you. In the end, this all comes down to two types of things. Whether, it's a, it's a, it's whether you're actually a, being held by a demon, which I've, I've never seen, but I am not so uh, naive to think that everything, the only things that exist are things that I've seen. I've never seen that. But maybe that's something that's holding you. Or maybe it's like this unclean part of your spirit, of your own spirit that, is, that you're wrestling with. Jesus in you will change that. And that is something we call the Holy Spirit. That an unclean spirit replaced by the Spirit of God in us. That a brokenness replaced by a healing in us. That Holy Spirit that comes into us changes us. It changes us in a lot of different ways. But that change is real. It can be measured. It, it changes so much about you that you may have to stop going places that you used to go to. may have to stop doing things that you used to do and you just be compelled by the love of God to be shaped into something new and something beautiful and something that God says, I, I have, God is making us into something. We are His workmanship. We are His... Work of art. He is shaping us. And in the end, the process looks a lot like where Jesus, the process of Jesus putting His Holy Spirit in us and removing the brokenness and um, hatefulness in our own spirit. The process looks a lot like us coming forward and saying, I know who you are. Jesus of Nazareth, you are the Holy One of Israel. You are the King. Now this particular dude, he, he did that in a, an angry, I'm going to, defensive way. But we come humbly and say, I know who Jesus is. He is the King. He is the Savior. He is alive, and I know that Jesus can rid me of this brokenness. He can. He can. You say, I don't see a way out, Benjamin. Come proclaim before the community and before God that Jesus is who Jesus claims to be, and see what happens. It won't be immediate, but see what happens. If you say there's no way out, what's the risk? 
You know, if you're in a lose-lose situation, might as well try everything you got. But I would argue that Jesus is the best choice you have to ridding yourself of brokenness, uncleanness, worldliness. Jesus is your way out. He will change you. He will affect you. He will clean you. We use a church word called sanctify. It'll sanctify you, which simply means make you holy. Take your unclean spirit and replace it with the Holy Spirit. You'll be surprised about what happens. There is hope for you. You don't know what I've done. No, I don't. That's right. There's hope for you. I say that knowing full well that I have no idea what you've done. But I say that not because of knowledge of what you've done, but because I know what God has done. There is hope for you. You can be clean. If you want to respond to that hope, you want to respond to that king, you want to unite in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection today, is your day. There is hope for you. Come forward as we stand and sing.